Thank you, Craig. Well, this morning, um, I'm going to continue in our sermon series on the Gospel of John, but I do want you to know, as Pastor Chad mentioned earlier, and as the video you saw, this is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And it is always important for us to affirm and reaffirm that this church is totally committed to the sanctity of human life and to the pro-life movement. And as one of the pastors here, I want to encourage all of you as part of this church body to continue to be involved in the fight and the struggle for the sanctity of life and to be involved in that in any and every way that you possibly can. This week, we are looking at the Gospel of John, chapter 7, and verses 14 through 24. The Gospel of John, chapter 7, and verses 14 through 24. Jesus is at the temple. He is teaching at the great feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths. And thousands of Jews had gathered at this great feast, and he is teaching among them. And this is what we read. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, How is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, you have a demon. And let that be a reminder to all of us this morning. If you teach in any capacity, in any age group, Teach what the Bible says, period. We live in an age of such opinionated people, politically opinionated, socially opinionated. Everybody wants to tell you their opinion. But if you are a teacher of the Bible, if you are a teacher of Scripture, you stick with Scripture and Scripture alone. Jesus said, my teaching is not mine but his who sent me. The second part of his criteria is found in verse 17. He says, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know. He will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and the Holy Spirit indwells you, And by means of the Holy Spirit, the resurrected life of Christ lives in you. Then you will know that you will know that the teaching of Jesus and the teaching of the Bible is from God. You will say with great confidence, this is the word of God. Jesus said, if anyone's will is to do God's will, if anyone is a true disciple of Christ, reborn by the Holy Spirit, His or her desire is to do not their own will anymore, but to do the will of God. And for those people, they will know whether this teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The evidence of that is here right in front of us this morning. 
My guess is every one of you here this morning would say that the Bible is the word of God. You would say that Jesus taught the very words of the Father. And you would say that without hesitation. Why would you say that? How can you be so confident of that? When people in the world are not confident of that at all, they reject that truth. They reject the authority of Scripture. How do you know that this is the Word of God? How do you know that Jesus taught from the Father? It is because your or excuse me, because the Holy Spirit testifies with your spirit as you read the Word of God, that this truly is God's Word, that Jesus truly spoke from the Father. Fascinating verse. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know. He will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. A verse that I have shared with this body of believers many times in the past and will continue to do, is 1 Corinthians 2.14. Such an important verse. The Apostle Paul says to the church at Corinth, the natural person, the unsaved person, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The person without the Spirit of God does not understand the Bible. The Bible is puzzling to him or her. And they often reject the truth of the Bible. Don't know how you could believe that. So what Paul is saying here, Jesus says the exact opposite in verse 17. The person with the Spirit of God will know. He will know, she will know, because the Holy Spirit will testify with their spirit that this is truly the word of God. The third criteria, verse 18. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. You can tell the validity of what Jesus is teaching because he does not seek his own glory. He seeks the glory of the Father. We see this time and again throughout the Gospel of John, that Jesus sought the glory of the Father. That was his highest priority, to do the Father's will and to glorify the Father. You can tell a person who is not from God Because he or she, when they teach, seek their own glory. Not so with Jesus. And let me say to all of us this morning, any teacher, any teacher that you sense is seeking their own glory, their ministry is all about them. All about their ministry. Be careful. Be careful and be very, very cautious. Because the true teacher of God never seeks his own glory. He seeks the glory of the Father. He seeks the glory of God. Jesus is the greatest teacher to ever live. And because he is, he challenges those with whom he is talking about the law of Moses. He rebukes them about the law of Moses. And that is our second point this morning. The wrong use of the law 
of Moses. We looked at this earlier in the Gospel of John, and I want to cover it again with you. It is such a great biblical teaching. The law of Moses is holy, righteous, and good. But the Jewish leaders had turned it into a set of legalistic rituals. Let us always know, let us always understand that the law of the Lord is good. It is pleasing. It is holy. It is righteous. The law of the Lord is so good, so perfect, that on our own, in our own strength and own power, we cannot even keep the law of the Lord. It is not until we are born again, until we experience regeneration and rebirth, that we are able to obey and keep the law. That's why in that great passage in Galatians chapter 3, it says that the law is a schoolmaster. It is a tutor. It is a guardian to lead us to Christ. The law shows us that we are sinful and that we need a Savior, and it is only through our Savior that we can keep the law. So in verses 19 and 20, Jesus says, has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, you have a demon. You're demon possessed. Who is seeking to kill you? He says, Moses gave you the law. I know that you are proud of the fact that you think you obey the law of Moses. But notice what Jesus says. Yet none of you keeps the law. Wow. What an indictment. None of you keeps the law. You're proving you don't keep the law because you want to kill me. And the crowd says, you have a demon who is seeking to kill you. That's why I told you to hold on to John chapter 7 and verse 1. Remember what I said. John 7, 1. He would not go about in Judea, Jesus, because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Everyone knew that. We learned that in John chapter 5, that the Jewish leaders were seeking to kill him. So they are lying here. Who is seeking to kill you? They were the ones seeking to kill him. In just a matter of months, in just a matter of months, they're going to be screaming for his crucifixion. Ah, you who say you keep the law are seeking to kill me in direct disobedience to the law. In verses 21 through 23, Jesus answered them, I did one work and you all marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me? Because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body? Well, for a Jewish boy, when he was born, he would be circumcised, always. Very important that he was circumcised on the eighth day. And obviously the eighth day would often fall on the Sabbath day. And they had no problem with circumcising a young Jewish male on the Sabbath because it was an obedience to the law of Moses. And what Jesus is saying to them, and this is what we've learned before, the Sabbath was a good thing. It was meant for man's good. You were not to do commercial work on the Sabbath day because you were to remember that it is the Lord your God who provides for you. But you could do good. You could heal. You could visit. You could do acts of mercy. You could visit the sick, the poor, the needy. That's what the Sabbath was for. The Sabbath was for doing good to the glory of God. And he says, you think it's okay to circumcise 
on the Sabbath, and you're right, it is okay. So why? Why are you so angry with me? Because I healed a man on the Sabbath. Now, I want to make just a little side note here, and I've said this a number of times throughout this book and in sermons before, but I just want to emphasize it again. If possible, when you study Scripture, try to study a whole book of the Bible so that you can keep things in their context so that you will know. For example, if you just picked up the Bible and started reading John chapter 7, and you come to verse 21 and it says, I did one work and you all marvel at it, or you go at the end of verse excuse me, 23, it says, Are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? You have no idea what Jesus is talking about. What work is he talking about? What healing is he talking about? Well, we know what it is. It's John chapter 5. He's still talking about the man that he healed at the, excuse me, that he healed at the beginning of John chapter 5. Remember, he went up to the pool of Bethesda. There was a man there who had been an invalid, who had been crippled for 38 years. And Jesus says to him, get up, take your bed and walk. And instantaneously, miraculously, he was healed. And then a few verses later, it says that because he healed on the Sabbath, the Jews were seeking to kill him. To kill him. That's what he's talking about. In the context of the Gospel of John, we know that's the healing that he's talking about and referring to. Well, that brings us to the last verse of this particular passage, verse 24. And I want you to see with me what is happening here. Jesus is saying, I speak from the Father. My authority comes from the Father. I'm in complete harmony, excuse me, harmony and unity with God. You claim that your authority comes from the law of Moses. You misinterpret the law of Moses and you disobey the law of Moses. He says, not none of you keep the law of Moses. And so he says in verse 24, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Do not judge by how things may appear to you, but judge with right judgment. That's a very powerful statement. Judge with right judgment. How do we judge with right judgment? Very important question. How do we judge with right judgment? And the answer is actually very simple. Stick to the word of God. Stay with scripture and scripture alone. If you hear man or woman in any context teaching something, your immediate thought is, can this be validated and substantiated by the Word of God? Is this found in the Word of God? Is this in line with, is this accurate with the teaching of the Word of God? That ought to be in your mind and heart always. Jesus is saying, don't judge by what you think is right or by how things might appear to you or how they might seem to you, but judge with right judgment. I speak from the Father. That's how you want to judge. You want to judge accurately according to the word of God. Well, as we bring this message to an end, there is a principle that I want to share with you this morning. There is a principle found in this passage that I think is important to all of us. Remember that Jesus is the greatest teacher to ever live. 
He was so in harmony and unity, so one with the Father that he just spoke from the Father. And here is the principle. If we, if we are to speak and teach in the power of the Holy Spirit, we must saturate ourselves with the Word of God and the presence of God. If we, and we can, if we are to speak and teach in the power of the Holy Spirit, we must saturate ourselves with the Word of God and, and very importantly, with the very presence of God. Now, don't misunderstand me this morning. Obviously, we are not the Son of God and we are not part of the Trinity. So I'm not saying there is a one-to-one correlation here, but I am saying there is an important principle for us. We must constantly be so careful how we approach the Word of God, how we approach the Bible. We must be careful that the Bible doesn't become a dry academic book or an assortment of feel-good verses. And I know that we don't intentionally approach the Bible that way, but sometimes we do this. We go to the Bible, we're going to read so many verses or so many chapters, and we say, check, and walk away and just go about the rest of the day. Or we jump around in the Bible to those verses that make us feel good, that we really like. Maybe a verse in Proverbs, a verse in Psalms, a verse in the Gospels. We need to be careful. There is no substitute for time spent in Scripture, in the presence of God, letting the Word of God soak into our souls. There is no substitute for it. Let me ask myself this morning, you ask yourself this morning, how much time do you spend all alone in the very presence of God? Studying, reading, meditating, memorizing the Word of God. Not just to teach, not to impress, not to say how many chapters you've read or how many verses you've memorized because you want to know God. You want to know Him. You want His Word to be soaking into your soul. You want to be in His presence. A verse that I absolutely love. It's found in Acts chapter 4. It's not going to be on the screen. Many of you know it. Peter and John have been arrested. They're taken before the Jewish religious leaders. And in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Here was two men. They could tell, you've been with Jesus. You've been with Jesus. They could tell that. Now remember, these are the Jewish religious leaders. These are men who had what would be the equivalent today of doctorates in theology. They were well learned and they are astonished by Peter and John. They were uneducated, common people. And they were astonished by how they testified and what they said. They recognized they have been with Jesus. Oh, I ask myself, I ask you, do people recognize that you've been with Jesus? That you've been spending time in his presence? Let's say this morning that you decide you want to study classical music. You become fascinated with classical music. And so you listen, you spend hours and hours listening to classical music and you study 
the great musicians from the past and it just becomes your passion. You're just really fascinated with it. Or let's say that you become fascinated with great works of art and so you go to art museums and art galleries and you spend days and hours just looking at great paintings and you read about the great paintings from history and when you get together with family or friends you can tell them about this painting and that painting and this artist and the whole history of that artist or you become fascinated with the stars and with the galaxies that God has created It just fascinates you. So you go out and you buy a high-tech telescope and you just gaze at the stars, at the galaxies, and you study astronomy and you spend hours and hours and you can tell anybody that you talk with all about, all about the heavens that we see. Oh, folks, let us approach God that way. Let us be so passionate about him that we spend hours wanting to know him not reading for some other thing but just reading and spending time in his presence that we might know him if we are to speak and teach in the power of the holy spirit we must We must saturate ourselves with the word of God and the presence of God. There is no substitute for time spent in scripture, in the very presence of God, letting the word of God soak into your souls. Our church, every church is desperate for pastors, for elders, for deacons, for Sunday school teachers, for small group leaders, for parents who speak and teach in the power of the Holy Spirit because, because they have saturated themselves with the Word of God and the presence of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus is the greatest teacher to ever live. Help us, Father, to sit at his feet as we read and study and meditate on the word of God. Father, help us to spend time in your presence. Help us, oh, enable us to speak and teach in the power of your Holy Spirit. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.